Welcome to Telling the Tale. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and as per usual, I am joined by opposing co-host with all the opposite opinions, Dustin Jackson. Ah, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready. I'm ready for my opinions to go up against yours in the ring. Well, that's what we do every week on this podcast as we talk about each episodic video game released by Telltale Games. We are talking this week about Game of Thrones, Episode 2, The Lost Lords, released February 3rd, 2015, directed by Kent Muddle, written by Nicole Martinez, Megan Thornton, and Brad Kane, and designed by Joe Pinney, Joe Ching, and Matt Almer. Dustin. Hello. Here, here's where I am really curious about your experience. Last episode, we talked about how it seemed like you were like happy enough to follow along with the characters and whatever, but Game of Thrones is simply not the kind of uh, fiction that you get interested in. I want to know, has your, uh, we'll call it level of investment in the uh-huh. story being told in this game, has it gone up, stayed the same, or fallen? I think it's gone up a little bit. Um, okay. You, you know, just the general, like, setting and kind of story it is. It, it just can't be one that I'd super duper engaged with. But, like, I feel like right from the get-go, this episode does a better job of getting me invested. Like, with... uh. Asher Forrester and Beshka, that whole scene. Yeah. I, I, I was like, oh, I like this. I like these characters. I like this chemistry they have. I, I'm on board with what's going down. Yeah, I I think so too. Um I mean I was hotter on episode one, but I was not let down in any way, really, by episode two. And we've talked on this podcast before about kind of the curse of episode two of a lot of these walking dead style games where Mm. episode one in most of these cases seems to be a almost like a pilot it was of course designed with the rest of the game in mind but there's a lot that they're throwing at the wall of like maybe we can do this kind of thing and maybe we can do this kind of thing uh maybe we present choices like this or like this or aesthetics in this style or this style while they figure out what the game is going to be. And during that exploratory phase in episode one, I'm thinking especially Tales from the Borderlands. Um, yeah. We, we find just a lot to like in episode ones of Telltale Games. I think that even extended into New Tales from the Borderlands. Yeah. I, I think uh, New Tales from the Borderlands started out very strong. Not very strong, but it started out strong enough. That I was interested in seeing where it went, and well, that that was my mistake, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, the the curse of the episode two is like okay, after episode one is finished, they look at what worked and what didn't work, and they seem to have decided what they want the series to be after that. And so, episode two is usually like this prototype of taking a specific one or two things from episode one. And, like, trying to build it into a full game. And just because of how that approach works, it usually isn't there yet by the end of episode two. And we have to wait until episode three, four, five until uh, it can get to where it wants to go. Right. I don't feel that way about this episode two. Yeah, me neither. I I was uh, pretty involved with it. Honestly, like... 
I, I'll just say it right now. I feel like I was more invested in this episode than I was in episode one, even though it is less eventful overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I And that makes a lot of sense to me because in episode one, I mean, if you listen to the last episode, it's it's uh, <laughs> it, it's like everyone's PTSD of being explained well, the exact plot of Game of Thrones by someone you don't care about that much at a party. Right. Um, because, hey, we're all having a party on this podcast. Woo! I didn't bring the streamers. Because so much of episode one was about, like, okay, I gotta explain to you the Red Wedding. <laughs> and uh, the whole dynamic between these families. And what King's right. Landing is. And what the like political difference between the North and the South is. And what does the wall mean? And a lot of exposition. Yeah, what what is es- Essos in comparison to Westeros? A lot of these just like, you need to be on board, buddy. And then this episode really focuses on pretty much just House Forester, which was also the focus of last episode, but we're dialing in even more focused uh, to the siblings of House Forester and those related to them. Um in other ways, such as Garrod, who used to be their squire. Right. Yeah, and, uh, well, I like it. I, I think that direction is good. They've yeah. focused more in, but they haven't let go of the scope of, like, the complexity of the story they want to tell. Right, yeah. I think that focus really helps uh, give you a little more time with these characters. It it, it, it helps you... Uh, kind of latch onto them a little more than you would even when they bring in new characters like uh the ones i mentioned earlier like we have asher forrester and mm-hmm. uh, his friend like they are still bringing in new characters but it still feels like yeah like you said it's sticking to uh the forrester family not only are they continuing to bring in new characters we play as four different characters in this episode and it doesn't really feel muddy yeah, agreed. Yeah, and that that was always a strength of the show because in the show every episode you would bounce between okay, let's do a scene as Jon Snow and a scene following Daenerys Targaryen and a uh, scene following Theon Greyjoy and here's a scene following uh, Tyrion Lannister. Here's a scene about Joffrey. Here's a scene about the Hound. Here's a scene about what Sansa's up to, and like all of that was in every episode, which was. I think a big filter for if you weren't going to jive with the show or not, like, oh, man, can I keep this straight? Especially because, like, three different people are named Stanley. In That's some a lot way. of Stanleys. Yeah, there's Stan, Stannis Baratheon. Um, <laughs> there's the Onion Knight is around. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many individuals that the show follows that it could be hard to keep track of sometimes. And I don't think a video game really has uh, the kind of freedom to do that kind of thing because every playable character is a large expenditure for the development team. But, yeah, we just spent... How long would you say this episode is? Two hours? Uh, That sounds about right. It went longer for me, but I, it's because I was pausing here and there. Two hours divided across four characters is only about 30 minutes with each of them. And I felt a strong arc, not like their full character arc, because that'll be the season, uh, but a strong arc begin and end for each of those four characters in this episode. Um, 
I, I think that's very impressive. Yeah. It, it, I can't recall any other Telltale game where, you, where you're juggling that many protagonists. No, yeah. New Tales from the Be- uh, Borderlands has three, and... And we saw how that played out. Yeah, most of them have two. Or at least two, in, in some way. Right. Yeah. Can't, yeah, I don't I don't think anything's come close to four. Yeah, for... Uh, this is something I was worried about in the first episode. I was worried about if you could uh, have enough time with each character... Uh, and they do, they do a good job balancing them. Yeah, with the exception, of course, of Ethan from the last episode, who died at the end of the last episode. Yeah, he doesn't get to be around no more. Yeah, his story was complete, though. I felt like his story really had all of itself within episode one. And I think because of that, I do, I would mostly still say episode one is better than episode two. I feel for you. me, just because I I really liked the, um, capturing the wholeness of Ethan's arc, and the the Garrod and Mira stuff that was splashed in felt extra on top of that. Right. Uh, whereas here we're kind of like in the middle of all four new characters, uh, well two new characters and the two previous characters, we're in the middle of their stories. Yeah. Um, uh, good middle though. Good I get middle. That. Yeah. Uh, it overcame the episode two curse. Overcame the episode two curse. It's impressive. Should we make a (laughs) t-shirt? The episode two curse? Oh, yeah. What were you thinking? Just any kind of t-shirt. Just like, maybe like, a shirt with crackers on it. (laughs) Why? Just so you... Just so, like, if you're eating crackers and get crumbs on your shirt, you can just say, no, that's part of the shirt. Oh, okay. Wait, so it's, like, real cr- I thought you meant a design of crackers, but you're not talking no, it about would, that. No, it would, it would look like, it would just look like crumbs. It would be like a design on your shirt, but while you're eating the crackers and you get the crumb, the real crumbs on your shirt, you can say, no, man, those crumbs were there. When I was a teenager, I procrastinated a lot on my Halloween costumes. Uh-huh. And one year I just put on a, a big orange sweater and taped a bunch of cup noodles to the like cups of cup noodles to the, the side of my body and like right. drew on my face a little bit. And when anyone would ask me, hey, what are you? I would say, I'm the great pumpkin from Charlie Brown. And they would say, is that what that looks like? And I would say, well, you never see him in the show. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably still my most successful cosplay. You got him. Yeah. And they would always say, yeah, but he's probably a pumpkin, right? And I'd say, who's to say? Hmm. <laughs> Are you so sure about that? Yeah, I'm, I didn't know you knew him. Hmm. <laughs> what a dick thing to say. <laughs> I, I just imagine them, like conversations over and they're looking back at you saying he's not the fucking great pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he probably looks a little bit like a pumpkin, right? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, never who, show him. 
Who's to say? Hmm? <laughs> um, yeah, I had to stop doing that when I became an adult because people would get more pointed at me and saying like, dude, this is nothing. You just taped some noodles to your body. And I was like, well, that's kind of a joke, <laughs> but I get it. You you were like Ethan. You had to grow up. I had to grow up in a millisecond. What a what a powerful Halloween that was. I can I can see why you relate to his story so much. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's talk about the the characters. I think that okay. would be a good place to start. There's four characters, and uh, continuing from last episode, we still have Garrett uh, or Garrid. I I can't say that right the first time like ever. Because it's so almost a name. Garrett <laughs> Tuttle and Mira Forrester, the the elder sister Forrester. Garrett Tuttle's a funny name, just Tuttle in general. Yeah, Tuttle in general's already a, and then like Garrett Tuttle. He sounds like a loser. He does and is a little bit. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. Um and Mira is in King's Landing working as the handmaiden for Lady Marjorie. Right, right. I remember her from episode one. Uh, and then also, here's the new characters. You get two more Forester boys. Ooh. I couldn't have predicted these two. I Well, didn't one you predict them. the first one, like, last episode? <laughs> yeah, so Asher, I was, I was sure we would be playing as Asher. Right, um, that's how we opened the episode. Yeah, because Malcolm, at the end of uh, last episode, says, I'm going to Essos. And on the order of uh, then Lord Ethan, I'm going to pick up Asher and, and bring back some manpower. Th- that was the idea. And uh, th- then we play as Asher in that moment where Malcolm finds him and, and tries to get him and an army back to Ironrath. Right. You know, Malcolm's a name. Malcolm's just a regular name. Yeah. You know, they, they, they sprinkled those in. I can give him that one. Was it spelled weird? Uh, no, I think it was just spelt normally. You know, Malcolm spelt normally is weird. Yeah, M-A-L-C-O-L-M. Yeah, two L's in the word Malcolm? I don't think so. <laughs> Try again, spellers. <laughs> Try again, Malcolm. Uh, so you play as Asher through that. And then also, guess who wasn't dead? The guy that we called out as we called out asking do you really die if a horse falls on you turns out that was a great question to ask yeah he he looks at the camera and says shh i wasn't killed by the horse <laughs> uh so roderick the eldest forester boy and um barring any deaths or exiling or anything he always would have been the lord forester once his father passed Turns out to be alive, so he just comes back to do that. Yeah, what a, I didn't see this coming at all. I was like, wow, it's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I think it was cool. I thought it was, like, I had no idea this was going to happen. I, I was totally uh, taken aback. And then I uh, ended up liking Roderick. Uh, yeah, I thought I, Roderick was a likable character. In that first episode, I just thought, oh, he's here to die by horse. Who cares? And then he comes <laughs> in. Yeah. And uh, he's just kind of a cool guy. 
Yeah, he's very level-headed. He's very uh, noble from like the, I, I think like fairy tale fantasy idea of nobility. Right. And like and, you can you can choose how to play him, but I chose to play him very, very yeah. warm. Like I I feel like that's something I'm keeping in mind. Like I know I'm usually a, a stupid, uh, dumb softy who likes making these characters be play nice. But I think especially in a game like this, I'm like, I gotta try to make this not miserable. Yeah, I really like the way they've made each of these four characters feel that like, oh, when I'm Asher, I could just kill someone if I don't like them. And in a normal Telltale game, I think both of us would be the kind of person that would never do that. Um, right, yeah. I just but, had Asher kill people. Who cares? That's yeah. Game of Thrones, baby. <laughs> You're in it now. Now you get it. Now you get Game yeah, of Thrones. Now, now I understand you can just kill people whenever you want. Yeah, if you're an Asher type, uh, it would be weird if you didn't kill people. Uh, right. You're, you're this combination of Solid Snake and uh, the Prince of Persia and Aladdin a little bit. And right. just going through Essos, stealing and, and killing and being a sellsword. Yeah, I thought this opening part was really cool. Like a fun way to get a lot more invested. Like episode one, I didn't hate it, but I thought it was very dry. Um, yeah. It was just kind of, you know, what I expected. But then this episode does have like a lot of like lighter levity moments in it that I appreciated. Starting with this uh, intro. It's just like a big fun action scene rather than a sad one. Not only that, but like Westeros, both in the north and the south, plays on a lot of um, upper European fantasy, like uh, British and Scottish and like high Germanic fantasy. Right where that stuff is cool and, and i i think there's always a time and a place for it in fantasy genre stuff but there's an entire rest of the world that's not represented by that kind of stuff and when we see when we go to essos we get more of the uh um northern african and middle eastern and greek sort of uh fantasy tropes yeah come out a I, little bit more and, and that's i fun thought that to was see cool too. to see yeah and we'll see a lot more of that. Egyptian uh, is is a big influence on that area. Yeah, I'm 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 more into Essos than I have been the other settings. Not not that I like am totally against what we've seen in the other areas, but th- this one I thought, okay, I'm having more fun with this than I was the others. That's interesting. Um, I I don't think I am that way. Uh, so that's cool. I right now am gravitating toward of all of the places we are hanging out in, King's Landing is probably my favorite for this game. Right. Uh, I really like the Mira stuff. But uh, yeah, that's I, cool. I like the stuff with Mira, but I I think setting wise, it might be my least favorite. Um, not not that it not that it's bad, just you know, a, a taste thing. Well, when I was watching the show, I had the same reaction about the wall. As I do in playing this game, which is like, oh, yeah, I, I I get that this is what it is. And then we spend like a lot of time there and I'm like, oh, this just sucks for everyone here. Please leave. 
I want you to have a <laughs> good time, and you absolutely can't have happiness here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I did like I did still like that area of the game. Uh, I mean, setting wise, what's there to say? It's a wall. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, you you nailed it. <laughs> Uh, Setting-wise, it is a wall. North of the wall, I think, is very cool. Um, This sort of frozen tundra full of, um, like, Celtic mythology-inspired fey stuff. And tons of snowy mountains. And and the wildlings are these um, sort of, like, Irish-inspired, Viking-inspired kind of people. Right, that i'm sure i'll be like a lot more into well you know we may never get there we may never actually get there that's true yeah but it but it does sound more up my alley yeah it it happens a few times in the show but it's uh it's like a rare occurrence to go north of the wall Mm. Uh, so maybe we'll do it in the game i hope we do do it in the game because it is much cooler to be north of the wall than at the wall Right, it, on account of it just being a wall yeah. of ice. Especially in a game, because in the show, you have... It, the show has very impressive special effects to show, like, this giant pseudo-man-made... I, I think it was, like, created in fiction by a union between the giants and humans. Okay. Um, so, like, it's this enormous, impenetrable ice wall, and it just looks completely real. The the special, the CGI on it is uh, very believable. Mm. And so it, that stuff is cool to see, especially with, like, people are climbing up it and rappelling down it, and they're, they're interacting with it like a real object. So in a live-action right. show, that's very cool. In a video game, it's just kind of like the, the majesty of a big wall is kind of not any more special than like any other area. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a big wall they put up. Yeah. But I I I still liked this part enough. I kind of like the uh <clears throat> Oh, are you okay, I, buddy? Yeah, I just had a frog in my throat. <laughs> Jeez, That's get the that same. out of there, man. I well, we'll see. Okay. Um he, he has to earn it first. <laughs> but you know i like the camaraderie I, maybe camaraderie is not the right word but i it's kind of like in the movie mulan when you have the yeah. training camp with all these soldiers y- you want to see them build up to a camaraderie yeah totally that is a a, a great comparison uh, a lot of military flavoring in there in general of just hey maybe we didn't want to be drafted for the vietnam war but we are all here and we're all in this together. <laughs> Tensions run quite high, but we are going to just go ahead and not leave because we have to be <laughs> here. We have to fight this fight. Man, Frostfinger is a good name. Yeah, I think the sort of the uh, the lead of this episode, though, if we were to define it, would be Roderick, who we thought was dead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So... um. I'll ask you this. What do you think of Roderick's storyline? Uh, 
I'm I'm down for it. It's hard to really get like it's hard for me to really form my feelings on it when it feels like it's just getting started. Yeah. But uh you know, I like the idea that he uh he faced death and won, but now he's uh thrown back into uh this role that he has to be in. Uh much worse for wear. Uh he he's he he ain't doing too good. But uh, he has to uh, step up as the Lord of the House. Uh, but I I like that he does keep such a level head about it. Uh, especially since last episode, you know, these characters were all over the place. You had all these uh, assholes who are still here this episode. But I like that you have someone who can just kind of... E- even the people around him in his house. Like the two... Uh, uh, I forget their names, but you know the two guys who were uh, fighting and just can't seem to see uh, eye to eye. Sir Royland is one of them, and yeah. uh, is it Duncan? Yeah, no. Dun- Wait, yes? no, it was Duncan. Okay, because that's why I picked him because of his name. Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's nice to have someone here who can kind of be like, "Hey, let's uh, maybe cut the bullshit here, okay?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but, he's but do it just with a like good naturally attitude. a more commanding voice than Ethan was because he's older and um yeah. yeah. And and like I I did really like Ethan, but Roderick just seems like if you met him he would be a cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um so with Roderick here it became obvious to me oh, we're doing the Starks. Um uh, the Foresters are basically the Starks of this game. And in very, like, specific one-to-one ways. In the first episode of Game of Thrones, the show, um, Bran, one of the younger uh, Stark boys, witnesses mm-hmm. Cersei and Jaime Lannister, the the uh, wife and brother-in-law of the king, right. having sex with each other. And they are siblings. And if that got out, that would be devastating for the Lannisters. So Jamie pushes Bran off of the building that he's climbing and, and saw them through the window of. And right. he breaks every bone in his body. And from that point on, he's Bran the Broken. And uh, he's paralyzed and everyone has to like help him around in a wheelchair and everything. And uh, it we're doing that with Roderick. Roderick the Ruined, they call Roderick him. the Ruined. Yeah, like they, they even do a brand the Broken, Roderick the Ruined. Like it's very one-to-one. I could see that being disappointed as someone who's like so like who knows the Starks and knows the, the story. I could see just doing that being mm-hmm. disappointing with these characters. I don't know if it's disappointing because... Um, they are like combining some of the Starks and like maybe putting an inversion on some of them, but it is very, uh, like George Lucas, the prequels rhyme kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sansa Stark sort of got away from the Starks because, um, she was betrothed to King Joffrey first before Marjorie was. Okay. So she was a handmaiden down in King's Landing. And that's what Mira's doing. And uh, like Jon Snow was the was a ward of the Starks. And then 
Garrett Tuttle was a squire of the foresters and then sent to the wall. They were both at the wall. Yeah. They're all doing stark things. And um, most specifically, uh, Rickon, the youngest Stark, ended up being a ward to the Boltons. And mm. Ryan, the youngest Forester, is now a ward to the White Hills, which are like right in league with the Boltons. Right. Uh, yeah, so they're, they really are trying to capture like, hey, here's everything you could have liked about the show down to specific characters doing things like Arya Stark. She's one of the youngest. She ends up going to Essos to be like, she trains herself to be the, the most murderous ninja type person in the world. Um, And that's, that kind of feels like Asher. And then between Asher and, um, and, and Roderick between them, they kind of create the character Rob stark as well so like they're they're all in there they're all swirling around aria is the only one i knew because she is in multiverses oh yeah aria yeah i wonder if we'll see aria in this uh it's possible i couldn't tell you i haven't played the rest of it yet fair enough yeah if she (laughs) was anywhere she'd probably be in the Maybe the Asher story right now? I actually don't know if she's in Westeros or Essos at this point in the story. Mm. This is a very specific moment in Game of Thrones history. Uh, I I will say, I guess I get just making them, like, almost one-to-one with the Starks, but you can, like, they can actually do stuff with them. Because, like, you said these characters... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I forget if you said these characters were, like, made for this... For yeah, most so, of them, not not all of them. Uh, the Foresters was it, like it was a last name that was mentioned was in the north, but right, we never but knew you... anything about them. Uh, they right. they never showed up for anything. They were never part of the story. Uh, like in the books, I think Forrester was mentioned twice as just, oh yeah, the, those people in the north in the in the woods in the north. They're all named things like Forrester or Birch. Yeah, don't worry about them. Or Glenmore, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I guess it makes sense that they would uh, have them be close to characters you know, but char- they're characters they can actually do stuff with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, y- y- so they-, they are entirely new characters, with the exception of any time. I- can you tell when a character is like, Oh, this is definitely from the show, or not? Um, a couple times I I had the feeling. I think you can kind of feel it out here and there. Yeah, because I I feel like when uh, in this episode in particular, when Jon Snow shows up, I think there's this this uh air of like, oh yeah, this is this is someone else's character. <laughs> Most right. of the other His... characters we've seen are our characters, but this is someone else's his model his character design just feels different from the telltale characters yeah it's like more based on real life people i think Tyrion kind of feels the same way in king's landing yeah um and that is that as well right Mm -hmm. um so would you say that of these four asher was your most uh favorite playable character experience 
I think so, even though his part in this episode is admittedly pretty light compared to the other two, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Or other, uh, other three. Other three, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, it, it is just his uncle finding him and, uh, like, starting his part of the story. But I just liked everything with him. I thought he was, like, a fun action hero type character. I, I really liked how, uh, at the beginning, him and Beshka were just like, oh, yeah, who gives a shit? We're going to get so much gold for this guy. It's going to be yeah. crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that. I like not really having to, like, deal with, like, a fuckload of characters and shit going on with them. They're, they were very straightforward. Yeah. So at around, for, for this, now. at around this time in the story in Essos, the big political movement is that Daenerys Targaryen has been amassing a giant following. And her big thing is rounding up all the slave owners and killing them. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and people love that, who especially slaves <laughs> enjoy that. <laughs> uh, they're they're fans of that. Um, and we never see Daenerys in this at all, uh, but we do get the flavor of that having affected Asher's life of like, yeah, now slave owners are a really great bounty for us. We can go collect this guy and right. uh, we'll get paid for it. I liked that first room they were hanging out in because they had a hookah. Have you ever, have you ever imbibed... On the hookah, Dustin. I have not, but I I'm I'm aware of them. Yeah, I, I it's uh it, it it definitely makes you feel a lot like the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland. Oh, I love that movie. I'd love to do that. You'd love to feel like the caterpillar now. I I always take one look at that guy and say, I wonder what it if I could spend a day in his shoes. Um. It there was a hookah lounge in my town for a hot minute. A couple years ago and i went one time at the behest of some friends it was really not my thing right. um and it was not the first time i i had ever uh smelled a hookah or anything but hookah makes you feel like you've got laffy taffy texture and flavored stuff in your lungs just oh, like the, the solid squishiness of Oh, dude, there's some Laffy... I, I'm breathing Laffy Taffy right now. That's hard to deal with. I don't know how people do that for, like, their entire lives. That's kind of wild to me. Right, because people enjoy it. I don't think I would enjoy it very much. I'm not a Laffy Taffy... Especially if it's, like, banana. Ew. Well, yeah, you can... Well, the good thing about it is that you can choose to not do banana. Oh, good. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, they they have a, a a little action sequence. There isn't really much to talk about in this section, but it right. was fun. It's, it's, it's a just cool fun. I like their chemistry. Yeah, it's nice to just have characters who are like laid back friends in this world. Yeah. Uh the one the one thing I'm now considering is we have this uh character Lord Roderick of House Forester who's taken control after Ethan died. And he's sort of setting himself up to be this strong center of influence. And we've also got Asher Forrester, who's coming back with an army. Do you think there's going to be, like, disputes between the two of them of who's going to run House Forrester? Or it... I kind of feel like Asher wouldn't care about that. 
Yeah, I feel like if he cared, he would have been back by now. Well, I mean, they banished him, so there was never an option for him to... Well, yeah. No one would have respected that rule, but like, if he comes back and he's invited into the family again, and he has an army and power... And compared to uh, Roderick, like, Asher's this giant, strapping, Prince Charming kind of guy. And Roderick is, uh, we haven't talked much about this yet, but that horse that fell on him really messed up his entire body and face. He just, uh, he's just got a bad time going on. Yeah, I mean, even though he survived the horse, uh, it still hurts. I I think being hurt by a falling horse is a lot more understandable than having your life ended by a falling horse. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. Um, But I think more than just the injury, he's very disfigured. He, like, the right half of his face is essentially missing the skin there. Um, Yeah, I mean, it happens. It happens. Uh, Yeah, and and there was a, a pretty cool moment in there, in my opinion, between Elena Glenmore, who was originally set to be betrothed to Roderick, and Roderick uh, sort of patching up their engagement. Right. Uh, both because you... it's an important political move, and also just because I, I think Roderick needs a win. <laughs> I need a win. Things aren't going great for me. <laughs> uh, uh, were yeah. you able to save the betrothal? Yes. Interesting. I was not. Wow. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I I doinked it all up. Okay. So yeah, this this part's multifaceted because like step one is you're reminded that this woman exists <laughs> in your right. life because she was not talked about at all. Um, and that if House Glenmore and House Forrester merged via a marriage like this, they could potentially fight up against the White Hills. Right. Yeah. I I played the wrong hand. Yeah. So uh, the the option that you have is Mira from King's Landing can convince Lady Marjorie because her house sort of has dominance over the Glenmores. Right. Uh, If you can convince Lady Marjorie to send a letter basically saying, hey, you should really, I suggest that you uh, complete this marriage. And Marjorie doesn't want to do it, but Mira can forge a letter. Did you do it? Did you forge the letter? I did. Ooh, playing naughty here. I didn't. Yeah. I was like, I feel like this would bite me in the ass. But even even though it was the less uh, interesting choice, even even then, like after after I chose, oh, I'll just continue writing this invitation. Uh, Sarah comes in. The other other. What's her role? Is she just like another handmaiden? Yeah, she's she's one of uh, Marjorie's two handmaidens, including right. you. Yeah, so she comes in and she's like, oh, I kind of wish I caught you doing something more interesting. <laughs> yeah, she, well, she doesn't get that you forged anything or anything, but... Right, but Or at if least you for don't... me. Yeah. yeah, but since I didn't, I was just choosing to continue the invitation. She's like, wow, you suck. 
That's funny. I, yeah. So, well, here's here's the deal. I don't think doing this helped me. For one, um, that letter uh-huh. didn't have a seal on it. Ooh, right. Because Marjorie took the House Tyrell wax seal with her when she left. Mm. So I didn't have a way of um, pressing the seal. So Mira comments like, I hope they just take this forged signature and assume it's real because uh, <laughs> boy howdy do I not have very many options uh, right and we can talk about what happens with Mira later because that's kind of a separate story but I did that and uh, no no nothing bad happened to Mira because of forging the letter at least in this episode right I I had a feeling like somewhere down the line that would really bite me in the ass especially since uh, it, it seemed like uh Lady Marjorie, really uh she she did not care for her asking for her help before mm-hmm. like it felt like things were looking a little rocky between these two people who were uh friends yeah and, well in, well marjorie tried to help before and like yeah joffrey kind of beat her up yeah for exactly doing it. so i felt like taking matters into my hands could have made things worse so i i did play it a little safe even if it was not very interesting as Sarah <laughs> reminded me. Um my my play style is like this is this is a fun one because in a lot of Telltale games I'm trying to be like I got to be the right kind of father figure for Clementine or right uh I I got to not lose my way in dealing out justice to Fable Town or or something like that. So I'm I'm like trying to keep myself put together making what I really think are the right moral decisions. In this game, it is, it's very much just the strategy of the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if I'm Mira, my one job in King's Landing, like above all else, really is do the right thing for House Forrester. Because I'm not going to like get a good ending where Marjorie says, you were the best handmaiden, you didn't do anything bad. What up, BFF? <laughs> that won't feel good if my family is dead. <laughs> that, that'll be a bad... <laughs> reaction because like my brother ethan was already killed and uh my father was killed and uh most of the north was killed at the red wedding so that's just not a good move Um, right but but you could be marjorie's best friend i could be marjorie's best friend and i have to hope that means something (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so with mira like i i'm taking chances i'm taking chances with all of these characters uh just to be, except maybe Roderick, because like he's actually there right now. He, I'll play him right. a bit more smart. But if Garrett has a moment where he's like supposed to sneak away from the wall uh, to do something for House Forester, which is not what you're ever supposed to do, I'm pro- I'll probably do it. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I feel you. So anyway, Elena Glenmore comes to see Roderick, and she is a little put off that he's like all gross looking. But uh, for me, and I'm really curious about how this went for you, Elena goes, hey, I got this letter, and do you know how this came to be? Because you know my family can't just deny a suggestion from Marjorie Tyrell, right? You're forcing my hand in marriage. And uh, then I had the option to say, like, no, 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 it's up to you. It it really (laughs) is up to you. 
Any, any... It's up to you, but maybe read the letter. <laughs> I mean, it's a good letter, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> but... It might be in your best interest, but, like, no pressure. But no, I, I stress, like, Elena, it, it really is up to you. Uh, and then Elena liked that, and that worked uh-huh. out. And nice. now we're engaged. That's so cool for you. <laughs> How did it go for <laughs> you? Uh, so no letter was mentioned, obviously, because she didn't get one. Uh-huh. Uh, but she says, look, Roderick, I don't care about your uh, about your scars uh, it's all good. I see you still got your sense of you're making jokes. Uh, but if we marry, that's this could get my family in, in the middle of this war and that would suck. And so I had the option to be like, uh, you, you can say, uh, oh, we'll give you our ironwood or, uh, no one stands a chance against, uh, us when we're together. Or uh, we should be together because I love you. So and what did you I, say? I chose to say I love you, thinking that would be super sweet and cool. It's a little forward, Dustin. It's a little forward. Right. It's a little forward. But so she was like, yeah, but that just isn't enough, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the I wonder what the winning condition is for that. I bet you're supposed to say it's you and me against the world and no one can stop us. Right. Really really I well I was trying to be like, look, I get you don't want to be in this war. That does suck. And that played into what happened next after this too. Uh but also did not help me. How so? Uh, so after this um and and excuse me i'm looking through my notes to to find the right names uh even though i'm able to follow along the story just fine it is hard keeping track yeah. of what everyone's called uh the white hills You're yeah the white, hills? white hill shows up and he's like oh th- this fuck face huh <laughs> yeah uh, he really does make a loud entrance yeah why don't you prove your loyalty by kissing my ring yeah i didn't do that so I did thinking, you hey, this little kid, Dustin, you gotta no, not I, do shit like that. <laughs> I thought it would be good. I'd be like, see, look, the, we, it'll be fine. The uh, war, what war? And so I kissed his ring. And do you know what her response was? You shouldn't have done that. You coward. Kind of cringe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She straight up says that was hard to watch. Uh-huh. But she got it. She was like, look, I get why you did it. Fine. But boy, hard to watch, man. And I yeah. was thinking, I I thought you would like it. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would she I, like that? <laughs> I thought that she would like that I was trying to not make a war happen and stir up trouble. Well, so... Since that's what it sounded like, that's what she was concerned about. There so were like, consequences for me not doing that. Oh, what happened? Well, the reason he he showed up there was to say like, "Hey, you asked if Ryan, the the little kid Forrester, the youngest Forrester brother, right, could go to the funeral of his father and brother, and he's now White Hills ward. So like White Hills says, what he can and can't do. Uh, so right. White Hills saying, if you kiss my ring, Ryan can come to the funeral. Okay. And because I didn't, he wasn't there." 
And hmm. uh, the lady forester, the mother, was very mad about that. Um, yeah, because she is pushing you to just do it. She's just like, look, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Just get it over with and do it. We all know. Look, we're here watching you. We get it. Mm-hmm. Ju- just do it. Yeah, although Elena did say, I'm glad that you didn't do that to me after I did it. So I felt like I... I, I like the decision I made. Dustin, that's you, super you made some awesome, bad man. calls. <laughs> that's super cool that you did that. Yeah. And then, and then felt proud about it. Yeah. It, <laughs> you either win the Game of War, uh, Game of Thrones, or like you cringe a lot, bro. You cringe pretty hard. Yeah. She, she just straight up said to me, that was cringe what you did. That was really embarrassing what you did. <laughs> you spineless, <laughs> spineless failed engagement proposition and then my only response can just be i thought you would like it <laughs> did he really say i thought you would no like it? no that no that's just what i'm saying that's oh okay <laughs> my reason wow okay um yeah could not have gone so worse. fun no that's like a really fun <laughs> character that you now have <laughs> that you've got this like <laughs> sniveling roderick cringy roderick yeah because in, in my game roderick is like a strong force right yeah i mean mine was like very nice to his sister he was very like understanding he was like oh yeah thanks for uh helping me walk uh but then i kissed the ring but ryan (laughs) was at the funeral cool i guess yeah (laughs) yeah that um would be nice to be engaged. During the funeral, Gwyn Whitehill showed up for me. Um, and Gwyn was the woman that Asher fell in love with and was then excommunicated because of that. Ooh. Uh, so Gwyn showed up and she said, hey, I've been the one at the Whitehill's place taking care of Ryan. And he's told me, he's asked me, if his family has completely given up on him. Really trying to play up the, uh, man, you couldn't have just kissed his ring <laughs> kind of you thing could, for, for me. You should have kissed the ring, man. Yeah, so she was uh, just saying, he's all right, but, like, dude, he thinks you've betrayed and given up on him. And wow. Roderick just has to be like, all right, thanks for coming. <laughs> thanks for telling me that. <laughs> Get gift bags are to the left. <laughs> yeah, uh... <laughs> you got this t-shirt that says i saw the funeral of gregor i and saw Ethan the Forrester, and I, all i got was this t-shirt i like how that's not even like enjoy that's just i saw it <laughs> yeah you are admitting acknowledgement yeah um what a good shirt yeah so for me she did not show up at all it, it was just uh so ryan was there with uh the, the white hill people the guards and they were like yeah, yeah, hurry up. Look, you said hi. We're we're going to go now. <laughs> yeah. And and Ryan asked like, uh, "You won't forget about me, will you?" And we were like, "We would never. We're your family, man." And he liked that. Um Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> Here's here's something that I noticed that um really stood out to me. Okay. Gwyn Whitehill, Elena Glenmore, Lady Forrester, Talia Forrester, and Mira Forrester. Um, the the five 
sort of northern women of prominence in this story right look exactly the same (laughs) (laughs) they all really look the same um in three of those i think have a pretty good excuse of being a mother and her two daughters of right family strong relationship and then elena glenmore showed up and i was like oh yeah she definitely already looks like a forester i guess she's Local to the area, that makes sense. This wedding's going to work out. Yeah, and then Gwen Whitehill showed up at the funeral for me, and I was like, okay, really everyone looks the same here. What's your <laughs> excuse? Yeah. Um, it, the Foresters have a type. They have a specific type that right. re- is beginning to read a little bit like a fetish. <laughs> hey, and you know. It, you like what you like, judge. but I'm on to you. Right. I'm on to you, northern boys. <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone's got their type. Yeah. Um, Foresters. <laughs> so I really like what happens in the the rest of uh, Mira's story after the letter forge. Like, that's kind of just a side thing for her. Um, right. First off, Sarah comes in, like you mentioned, and she's like, hey, want to go drink some wine? Hey, I stole some wine. I stole some wine from the queen. And guess what? We're gonna drink it. We're gonna drink some here in public. (laughs) Isn't that fucked? (laughs) Aren't I crazy? (laughs) Aren't I super wild for this? I'm a crazy person. Yeah, and I... (laughs) (laughs) And I'm trying to, like, not get caught after just forging this letter... And then Sarah comes in and is like, do you want to take three unnecessary risks right now that could kill this is, us? <laughs> this is going to be great. And there's no, there's no like option to stay friends with Sarah and just calmly go like, <laughs> Sarah, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, you're going down a bad road, Sarah. This is, you're acting out. What happened to the Sarah I used to know? <laughs> Sarah... In between giant swigs of this ornate goblet of wine, uh, explains her tragic backstory to you, which is that she's actually a highborn, uh, not unlike you, but she's a bastard. Right. Uh, and, and we talked about this last episode, how uh, if you're a bastard, you are like still entitled to certain connections to the royal or noble family that you're from. Mm-hmm. But you don't get the name. You don't get to have the name. Right. So Elena, or sorry, not Elena. Uh, Sarah is actually named Sarah Flowers. Because what a twist. She's sort of like this orphan. And um, we, we know she's from a no- noble family, but she's a bastard. Um, and people can't know about that. Marjorie knows about it. And now you, Mira, uh, you know about it too. That's so cool that she let us in on our little secret. Yeah, and it... I love this moment because it's like she didn't have to do any of this. And this was not really to get a. Uh, to accomplish anything. <laughs> it's it's just confiding in a friend. Yeah. Sarah's like, I just I just need someone to talk to you right now. It's not. Related I'm so to the plot. full of wine right now. And yeah. you need to listen. Yeah. She has to take you to a public place so you don't freak out. And get herself a little drunk so she can muster the courage to say it. And then your reaction can only be like, okay, yeah, I won't tell anyone. Thanks for telling me. 
<laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. It endeared me to Sarah because, like, yeah, in too. the first episode, she's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Like, she she doesn't really do anything of consequence, but I like uh, her in this episode. Yeah, I do, too. Um, hope nothing bad happens to her. Hope nothing bad happens. Yeah, the one thing that Sarah does ask is just, uh, hey, the next time Lady Marjorie talks to you, can you put in a good word for me of, like, someone who needs a husband? <laughs> <laughs> which is also like not related to the other shit she was talking about she's just drunk right that's she, she, so good she's she's just someone else who needs a win yeah i've heard bad things about this telltale game if i can be honest i've heard negative reception to game of thrones that it was uh plotting and slow and it is it is but um there's no other telltale game where Characters for seemingly no plot reason, I'm sure it'll matter in the future. I'm sure we'll get around to it in the future of, oh, yeah, here's an opportunity to give uh, to give Sarah a husband. But for <laughs> now, in episode two, this is just like a random thing your friend is pulling you aside to tell you about that does not have to do with anything else you're doing. And it's just like right. a little slice of life. That's so While you good. drink stolen wine. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I I totally agree. Um, And like, you know, last episode I was saying, I'm just not into this. I feel like this episode does do a good job of kind of getting me endeared to these characters a little more, getting me interested in uh, their shitty lives. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then Tyrion comes in and definitely puts the fear of God into you for like, hey, you're... I'm, I know that you're drinking my sister's stolen wine. Anyway, let's talk business. <laughs> right, like, he doesn't, like, super care, but he's also like, mm, you know, maybe not the best thing to risk your life for. Yeah, I offered to let him join us, just two young girls drinking wine, and he seemed to appreciate that, but also declined, because it is, again, the queen's stolen wine, you will die for this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she already hates you. Yeah, I I hope that doesn't come back to uh, bite Sarah in the ass. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we'll get her a husband, but maybe we can at least protect her from dying via queen anger. Yeah, I I feel like uh, life is more important than husbands, so count your blessings. Yeah. Um, Tyrion kind of uses Mira in this... uh, scene he'll take you into a hall where he's supposed to meet with the white hills in order to get a better price on ironwood because the white hills have a half the ironwood and the forcers have the other Tyrion will he he says like he doesn't really want an alliance with the white hills for whatever reason it seems like they have less ironwood or it's more expensive or like, I don't get his reasoning why he, it wasn't just cool with it, but he wants to like haggle him down. You know, maybe he just doesn't like the White Hills. Maybe he's just like, look, I, I get it, but no, thank you. Yeah. He does in the show always show a weakness, um, not any kind of sexual weakness necessarily, but like, ah, uh, all these young women of King's Landing are really put in a hard position and he's empathetic right. to that. Uh, he he 
was married to Sansa Stark, who was like 20 years younger than him at one point in the show. And uh, he... That's a lot of years. He was only doing it because sort of like the crown forced that upon both of them. Right. And he just... Uh, he He just sort of let her do whatever she wanted as technically his wife and he was fine with letting her go and, and everything. So, uh, he, I, they're, they're definitely playing on that kind of connection that, uh, Tyrion has had with Sansa in his relationship with Mira as well. But what we got, the arrangement that I got between Mira and Tyrion, and I, I'd love to hear if this is different for you, was that the Foresters will be the exclusive merchant of ironwood with the royal family provided that the um the royal family can help the foresters defend themselves against the uh the white hills and the boltons that's that's exactly what happened for me as well okay okay cool and he was like yeah i'll consider it yeah, and like as Mira's leaving, Tyrion says, this is either going to be really good for both of us or just bad for you and I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which appreciate is, the honesty. Yeah. That's a that's a good position to be in. And that's that's why he's the that's why he's the goat. That's why he's the goat negotiator. Yeah. I'd love to be in a position where I win no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's it's all about putting yourself there. You should have considered that when you were talking to Elena Glenmore. That would have That's helped. That's true. That yeah. that would have been great had I considered that. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, mm-hmm. I do think uh, Peter Dinklage does a good job. Like, sometimes with these games, if you get, like, the actual person who plays these characters, sometimes they'll just do, like, a half-assed, a total shit show job. And I don't think we get that here. The example that comes to mind for me is uh, Toby Maguire in the Spider-Man games. Yeah. Where he's just like, it's me. It's here I am. I'm Spider-Man. I got to save the day. Here I am. I'm Toby. I mean, Peter. <laughs> Thanks for breaking my cow lamp. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for breaking my cow lamp. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he is good in this. And he, he's good in this in a way that is... Uh, not just surprising for like that license thing you're talking about, but also Peter Dinklage specifically was uh, a character in Destiny, and mm-hmm. he was famously panned for his performance in Destiny. Oh, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, he had that uh, much maligned line. That wizard came from the moon, and <laughs> uh, yeah, he was. Maybe fairly, maybe unfairly. I, I don't know. I don't really have a stake in Destiny fandom, but do you do you um, think it's because he already has the connection to this role? I certainly think that helps. He knows what Tyrion is. He knows the yeah. kinds of ways to speak as Tyrion. Um, he also is speaking with an accent, sort of in this. That I mean, he's like a full American guy, right? Uh, so that's not his natural voice by any stretch. And in Destiny, it was a bit uh, less of a accent Mm -hmm. so that that might have steered it a little bit right yeah uh yeah but he was he was great in this and then that's not even it for mira because she goes back to her room and her room's been ransacked and she was let left with a uh a note 
that just says, uh, hey, Mira, meet me in the garden at midnight. Uh, I know how to Ooh. deal with the imp. And it turned out to be a trap laid by one of the White Hills people on the Lannister right. staff. And he tries to kill her. But then with that whole knife. Boy, yeah, with a whole knife. And then that coal boy, which neither of us has felt important to mention in either episode of the podcast we've done on this Oh, did we so not far. even mention him last time? No, I don't think so. Wow. I, he, I mean, he isn't important until right now, frankly. Yeah. Uh, you, you can tell there's this coal boy. He goes around King's Landing to some of the important houses, delivers coal for their fireplaces, and um, he's always covered in coal and doesn't have, like, regular shirts. <laughs> um and and you can tell that he's got a crush on mira forrester right he might be i think he's like much younger than her but i can't exactly tell he he feels it he feels like he's like he he feels like a young kid like maybe around like 12 or 13 even yeah so the the lannister guard tries to kill mira forrester in that moment and just like stab her to death in a fountain. But then the coal boy knocks him off. And while the Lannister guard is like drowning the coal boy in this fountain, you have the option of running away and probably just like getting away with this and maybe even telling on this guard and getting him executed or something. Or right. attack the guard and save the, the coal boy. Which one did you do, Mitchell? So this is this is the exception to that thing I was saying earlier. I think I should have ran away if I was really playing this game, you know? Right. If I was playing politics. But, like, I'm not going to let them kill this coal boy. Yeah, I, I killed this guy straight up, and I didn't even care. So the coal boy also, if you save him, has the benefit of saying, hey, I know where to stash bodies. I'm really good at stashing bodies. And <laughs> I'm, Mira's I'm like, like so hey, that's cool. Don't it. explain that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe we can just leave it at that. Yeah, I don't even want any more details about that. Uh, just <laughs> thanks, though. Go, go, and yeah, if you could stash this body, that'd be great for me. Uh, so <laughs> that happens, and I think that's going to bite me in the ass pretty soon. That oh, definitely, I murdered a Lannister guard. Yeah, I'm I'm playing fast and loose with my risks here, um, especially yeah. as Mira. I might get killed next episode. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I killed him, and I did you throw the knife away, or did you keep it? I kept it. I also kept it. Yeah, I mean, I felt I... like if you throw it away, guess, well, I don't know. Maybe if you threw it away, it would be fine. Yeah, yeah. They would I was... find it, but how could they pin it on you? I saw blood on a knife, and I was thinking CSI rules, and I was like, yeah, they're go- <laughs> they'll get the fingerprints. But they'll no get one, the fingerprints? No they'll get the DNA evidence? Here. Yeah, there's yeah. no DNA knowledge in Westeros. They'll run it through the computer. <laughs> they'll, they'll put it, you know, they'll put it on the computer and it'll match <laughs> or not with me. <laughs> like in CSI. They'll say, look, the colors match up with the colors on this other side. She's going away for a long time. <laughs> yeah, real Telltale fans will have the knowledge from the other games to know that we should keep the knife. But right, Game but of Thrones it- only fans will probably correctly throw away the knife they can't pin this shit on me yeah um you know what's something that happened to me in hmm. this episode it, unrelated to like the episode itself 
but it was a little frustrating because this also happened to me with uh, Minecraft last season. Sometimes I just would not get achievements. Like looking through my achievements for Minecraft story mode season one, there would just be times where it just didn't give me achievements and not for for finishing a chapter. Yeah. Like there'll be times where like, it'll just be like, no, we just decided you don't get the achievement. We don't think you actually beat completed chapter three (laughs) of episode four. And then I'd be like, well, well, then how do you explain this other achievement for completing chapter four of episode four? Yeah, but, how do you so, explain that telltale? Yeah, nice one. So that almost happened here. It just didn't give me the achievement for finishing the episode. So I had to do this part with uh, Mira twice. Yeah, I know that I don't have a platinum because I played it on uh, PlayStation. I don't have the platinum for Minecraft season one. Mostly because it wants you to replay episode two and pick Eligard if you picked Magnus or Magnus if you picked Eligard right. for the other one. <laughs> no way I'm doing that. <laughs> I, I might someday. I because like it, my PlayStation now. Whenever I turn it on, and I look in my my trophy section, it goes, "Hey, great news! I just figured out you're incredibly close to a platinum on Minecraft Story Mode, and I have to inform my PlayStation calmly but firmly. I'm not as close to doing that as you think that I am. Uh, right. And my PlayStation backs down and kind of cowers a little bit, but I'm keeping my playstation on a short leash these days right you just need it to know who's boss yeah because i as a punishment for (laughs) it trying to wedge its way into my business i downloaded all of jedi survivors 155 gigabytes onto it just to make (laughs) sure it knew who was in charge yeah you're gonna have to deal with this for a while (laughs) um yeah, so that's that's the Mira story, and we talked about the Roderick story, we talked about the Asher story, uh, and the only other story here to talk about really is the Garrod story, but he's just kind of, I, I also don't think there's that much to talk about, he's just talking yeah. with his, uh, uh, he's got like one guy who's kind of a friend and one guy who's kind of a bully, and the one who's a friend like steals a knife from the one that's a bully, and that just messes everything up. Right, I didn't choose to sell him out, but it was it was funny. Uh, he was like, search me, bro. I don't got the knife. And then they're like, yeah, well, he doesn't have a knife. And then as you're being led away, he like pulls the knife out of his sleeve. And he's like, <laughs> I had the knife the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, how- there isn't a whole lot to say about this part, but I did like it enough. So, like, yeah, it, it, it just feels like it's setting stuff up. It's It's just the training part of the story. Yeah, so there's people that work at the wall, and then there's people that, uh, they're rangers, and they go beyond the wall for little excursions for uh, resources or for patrolling and, and stuff like that. And right. Garrett's thing is his uncle, when he went up there, told him, hey, you should be a ranger. That'll be really helpful for us. And Garrett's a family man, if nothing else. I'm so, a family man! Um, he's like, yeah, I guess that's my job here, just become a ranger. Um, did you do well at like those combat ranger tests? The training tests? Yeah, yeah, they were not hard at all. No, they were not hard at all. I did. Um, I still liked them though. I I just liked the idea of actually doing the training. Yeah, I th- there was a crossbow part, and it really just was like lining up the cursor with where they told me to do it, and I did it every time perfectly. Right. Yeah, but you know, it's it's not like 
it's not like it was like so easy that you just move it to the spot and it stays still. Like mm-hmm. he is like kind of wobbly. Yeah, he's cold. I appreciate and that. At least sort of weak. So like the the cursor is moving around the screen a little bit. Yeah, it felt it felt like you were aiming at these rather than just putting the the reticle mm-hmm. where it should be. And then the the sword play one, I actually missed the QTE on the last one. Um, and I kind of got hurt from it, but I think doing well enough at the crossbow thing made it all be fine for me. Right. Garrett was like, well, you get it. I'm I'm good at it. Yeah. Even if I didn't, I, even if I wasn't flawless, you get it. Yeah. Frostfinger, who, who's like the uh, immediate in charge person here. It seemed like he wanted to not give me Ranger, but then Jon Snow came around and said like, hey, I need a guy north of the wall. Um, I, I guess you're a ranger. So, yeah, I'm probably going to be a ranger. Thanks, Jon Snow. Thanks, Jon Snow. Yeah. Um, I believe he, at this moment, is the person in charge of the whole operation. The whole Night's Watch. Right. Um, I thought that was later in the show, but it might be now. That is that is fine. That could be fine. <laughs> it's fine. Who cares? Uh, so that's that's everything except for the very end of the episode. There is the funeral itself. Yeah. Um, and with or without Ryan, with or without Ryan, and with or without, um, Gwyn Whitehall, and with or without Elena Glenmore, right? Depending on what you do, and Talia has been talking in the sort of in the background of this whole episode of like, <laughs> I have to write a song, and we're like, great, cool, yeah, and we're like, this is <laughs> not as hard as the things I'm doing. I I bet you, like within the context of, of your life, this song. is hard. Please don't talk to me, the the very broken man, <laughs> about this being difficult. <laughs> yeah, you you like turn to her with like your your broken arm and your in your slashed face, and you're like, oh yeah, I bet writing a song is real hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Talia ends up writing like an amazing song. <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, just here's just this little thing I was working on. Yeah, just this little thing she's working on. And it's like this rallying war cry for the Foresters and talking right. specifically about what Ethan did in the last episode. Great song. Um, there, there's some powerful lines in that song. Uh, she's talking about how much she hates the Boltons in it. And she goes, right. we will ask the cannibals of the... Uh, well, no, uh, we will ask the cannibals to break their fast on Wardens of the North. Just she's she's getting metal with it (laughs) yeah she she wants results with this song yeah she's using some of the strongest language possible to say i would like ramsey bolton to die a lot i want him to be eaten by cannibals and for it to just be okay (laughs) or ramsey snow uh ramsey snow the the bastard not he doesn't get to be a bolton but he is a bolton yeah I like the idea that after this song, this amazing song, they're just like, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's, we didn't record it because it's fantasy time, so that'll just be the only time we hear that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, may- maybe maybe next time you can do a better one. Yeah, next time someone dies, we'll actually like write it down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good job with your little, little song or whatever. Um... Want to head into segments, or is there anything else to talk about? I think we covered everything. Let's jump into these segments. Um, how about your weekly guy? 
You know what? For my weekly guy, I was going to put down Asher. I thought he was a fun cool. character. Yeah. But after we... You've changed my answer with this episode, with this whole discussion. Oh, yeah. Sarah really does. Just yeah, mine is Sarah. Funny, <laughs> she's just a fun character. Sarah's very fun. <laughs> she's just like falling apart you can tell she was crying the night before and she just comes to you probably already drunk but now we're drinking more and she's like i gotta Look tell what you i got my dad's not even my dad <laughs> <laughs> but can you get me a husband can you give me a hug please <laughs> yeah like it, it was funny at the time but like i didn't really like let it sink in yeah I was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know. But yeah, just discussing it with you, I'm like, no, yeah, it's got to be Sarah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, one of the options that you have that I took for Mira was to ask Sarah in that moment, well, is there anyone that you fancy for a husband? Like, do you have a specific idea in mind or is this general? And Sarah just goes, I just think it would be really good. <laughs> <laughs> she does not ha- seemingly does not have a specific person in mind even she just kind of wants the idea of a husband i just want somebody i just think it's cold at night dude <laughs> <laughs> it would just be a neat thing for this to happen <laughs> um what's your choice cut my choice cut was whether or not to kiss the ring Mine was, I think, for similar reasons, uh, whether or not to forge the letter. Right. That's a good one, too. My, I chose uh, whether or not to kiss the ring because I did really have to. Like, this is just what it comes down to for a lot of my choice cuts. Yeah. I was, like, really evaluating the whether or not, like, what the outcomes would be of each. Sure. Whether or not I did. And uh, I guess I chose wrong. But I still, <laughs> I still thought it was like a good choice to think about. Yeah, I I do really like th- that one. But at the same time, <laughs> I can't imagine me playing. The, I can't imagine me in real life ever doing that. I, I thought I was, I thought I was being cool by doing it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they put you in a situation where you'll you're just like, I guess I'll die now. I don't know. Right. <laughs> there was never well, a way did... I would say yes to this. So. Well, it didn't help that uh, Lady Forrester was like, look, just do it. We know you don't mean it. Just, you know, whatever. It'll be fine. That sure, I was like, oh, I guess it'll be fine. (laughs) I'm so excited for you for the next episode for like all of the the drunk White Hill guards in the front lawn of your castle. Oh, yeah. Dude, I hear you kiss the ring. Did you know that that stupid fucker kissed the ring? What a... (laughs) What a loser. What a dumb dumb. Let's point at him and laugh on account of he kissed the ring. Um, how's about your <laughs> golden moment? Um, golden moment was just the opening. I really like this opening with Ash, cool. Asher and Beska. I just thought like you know, after the first episode, I was just so not into it. I it, it's just so dry, so like not fun. Mm-hmm. And, and like on purpose, I get it. I get what we're going for here. But here, just opening up with this, like, bit of levity, it's like, hey, uh, you, we, here it's 400 dragons, take it or leave it. And we're like, uh, no, we're gonna kill all your guys. 
and and just like their attitudes of being like, yeah, we got, we're getting this money. We're going to be like doing so much fun shit, bro. It'll be so cool. I thought that was just like a much more fun way to get me endeared to these characters. Yeah, I in both the Westeros and the Essos parts of this story, uh, it, it's all it's very dark, it's very murderous, it's very political. But in Asher's story, there is that element of like they're all kind of just chasing Aladdin for some bread. Yeah, exactly. That's totally the feeling you get. And yeah. it gets me a lot more on board. It makes me say, oh, you know what? Not everything has to be shit. Essos will get darker, I bet. But yeah, for that right. one. For this oh, episode. Oh, I'm sure. Like, one, yeah. once these characters get more involved with the grand story at play here, uh, playtime's probably over. But I did like, uh, I like that it doesn't just all have to be this political bullshit. <laughs> Uh, well, my golden moment is I have it written down here as Sarah's weird shit. Um, yeah, that that's definitely there, too. <laughs> that that was. Yeah, I mean, that that can't be topped. If it's not that I uh, I would probably say. The. Uh, the engagement, like everything involving the engagement from Mira's forged letter to. Um, when Elena comes over to the way Roderick's uh, presenting himself, I thought that was like a cool um, aspect of the political story. But <laughs> I think there's yeah. just something here of this this twenty year old, twenty something, maybe twenty something, maybe teenage actually, uh, girls just like hella drunk, and she's just got to get something off her mind. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. needs someone to listen to her about these problems, and she even says like, "Look." I know my problems aren't as bad as yours with like your dead brother and father and shit, but I got to get married. <laughs> I got to get married or I'll be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Amir's just like, okay, all right. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll, I'll see what I can do. So actually I, I didn't did ask tell her. You... I was like, I'll put in a good word. Oh, you did. Okay. Cause I, I actually didn't. I said, I can't promise anything like that. Uh, I yeah, I just straight up told her, yeah, you know, whatever, I'll tell her. What what's the worst that could happen? Okay, I said I can't promise anything like that because with Lady Marjorie, I'm really trying to like look out for my family. And right. then Sarah goes, "Oh, it's okay. I'm sure I'd want to look after my family too." <laughs> <laughs> if I had one. If I had one. Um yeah. Well, that's this episode of Game of Thrones, Dustin. I liked it a lot more than the first. And I, I don't know if they can keep that up, especially when if the story needs to get more serious going forward. But I I appreciated this episode having a little downtime between uh, the nefarious murders and takeovers and such. Well, you know, the first few episodes of Game of Thrones, the show that anyone watches, are really hard to stay in with it. It's It's a... It's an acquired taste for everyone, I think, right. um, because if you know all the background and you know all the characters, you know all the locations, then enjoying a show just comes down to, okay, what is this episode saying about the the opinions and situation and politics of this character? And that is like always going to be more enjoyable than putting down an entire history encyclopedia in front of someone and saying, 
Okay, well, do you know the? Oh, do you know everything about the Lannisters and the Targaryens? <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping that just the more background in Game of Thrones that you know, the the easier these episodes will just be to um, digest on their own levels. Anyway, right, and this one was I like we said before. This one's story is more self-contained. It is branching off of episode one. But mm-hmm. it, it's just it's just coming off of episode one. You don't need to know, like, a whole ton of shit. You, you can be engaged with what's going on. Yeah. And I think because of, like, how many names and how many characters it has, Game of Thrones has this reputation for being hard to jump into. But at the end of the day, it kind of is just a fantasy story. And right. the like the hero's journey of it all is still in there. And uh, that's never going to be, like, that tough to digest. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for next episode. I'm a little excited. Like, I I wouldn't have been excited before this episode. Like, I was kind of dreading going in. Dreading such a harsh word. That sounds like I'm just like, ugh, this is going to be miserable. I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just going to be more of a story i'm not that interested in but this episode did get me more interested yeah i was kind of coming at it from the opposite side of like hey i know this world and i like this world but i don't know if i care about the foresters and like what telltale specifically is doing it with it yet but now i'm kind of there with the foresters um, yeah between between asher roderick and mira especially i'm interested in seeing where this goes Garrett, I am still not sold on. I think he had a good first episode. I'm not as interested as as like what he's doing up at the wall now, but could be cool. I, I, cool. I kind of like what he was doing at the wall, but yeah, I do think if I had to rank them, he would be at the bottom, but I'm not like, I, I'm not totally against seeing where he's going. You know, I think for me, part of that might just be like, of all of these characters being analogs for the Stark, uh, the Starks, I think... Garrett Tuttle being an analog for Jon Snow is probably the most one-to-one out of all of them. So just less interesting. I've like I've seen his story at the wall before. Especially what was portrayed in this episode. I'd love to know more stuff about what's happening in the future. Uh if he for example, like if we talked about it, if he does go far north of the wall and encounters all of like the weirder, more mystical, magical stuff that sometimes appears there. Uh, that'll be cool. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm sold just on the on the uh, description. Yeah. So, uh, Dustin, I'll miss you until next time, buddy. Hey, I'll miss you until next time. Well, in the meantime, have a great summer. We'll see.